Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. This is Reverend Foster with me tonight. Thanking God again for this wonderful opportunity that we have to meet at the table of his word. We're going to open our study with a word of prayer. Hallelujah. Father, we praise you for who you are. And we thank you, Lord, for bringing us together and for this on-time message that you have for us today. We pray that your Holy Spirit will open our hearts and lives to this word, that in all things we might bring glory and praise to you and be more effective stewards of the opportunities before us as we commit not only this hour, but ourselves into your hands. We thank you, Lord, and we praise you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Hallelujah. Well, tonight we are following up on a study that we started last week entitled A Call to Prayer. In that first session, we noted that Jesus himself said, it is written, my house shall be called the house of prayer. And this is because God's house cannot function without prayer. Prayer is a critical part of our fellowship with God. It is an act of communication that brings intimacy with him. It involves him in our day-to-day -day living. And ultimately, it shapes and even determines what kind of life we will live on this earth. You know, in uh, the book of Matthew, chapter 7 and verse 7, Jesus himself is teaching his disciples and he instructs them. He says, ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. Amen. This is actually God telling uh, those who have put their faith in Jesus. Amen. In other words, telling the believer to ask him, to seek him, and to knock. And he, God, will indeed show up. Amen. However, uh, we did mention that asking for the purpose of bene benefiting ourselves should not be our number one priority. God says that we are to ask, but at the same time, we are to get our eyes off of ourselves and spend time praying for others. It's more important for us to become intercessors, amen, than to be focused on self. So in the book of Mark, chapter 11 and verse 22, we are encouraged indeed to ask. And the Lord himself tells his disciples in verse 24, he says, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Amen. But I also um, want us to note that um, in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 7 that we just saw, notice that Jesus said that we are also to seek. Amen. He, sp he spoke of asking, of knocking, and of seeking. And um, you know, we have to know what happens when we seek God. You know, seeking God is really everything. Um, and the Bible says that at the very moment that we seek God to find him, amen, means that we are drawing near to him. And the living presence of God himself is drawing near to us. 
Amen. Uh, actually, uh, James chapter 4 and verse 8, the second part of that verse says, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Amen. So this is telling us that when we seek God, he draws near to us. In other words, his presence, uh, you know, is, is revealed. His help comes to our aid. His redemption comes for our situation. That's a way to let us know that his presence is with us. Amen. His, and we find that his strength soon arises, uh, arrives and the powers of healing are activated. Amen. Because we are drawing nigh to him. So we must understand that the closer we draw to him, also the greater the power we will have over temptation, over sin, and over our reactions to life. Amen. So we see that our goal is day by day to draw nearer to God. Amen. And, you know, he has commanded that we come boldly to his throne of grace. Amen. So we ought to draw nigh to him. And not only that, understand that we have a right to come in his presence. Amen. He has given us that right because of the righteousness that we now have become in Christ Jesus. Notice the invitation that he gives us in uh, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16. Amen. He's, and I'm reading from the Amplified Version, Hebrews 4, verse 16. Says, Therefore, let us with privilege approach the throne of grace, that is the throne of God's gracious favor, with confidence and without fear, so that we may receive mercy for our failures and find his amazing grace to help in time of need an appropriate blessing coming just at the right moment. Amen. Hallelujah. So again, notice that God has commanded that we come boldly to his throne of grace so that we can receive the help that we need. But it's essential that we must arrive at his throne in order to benefit from everything that he has to offer us. So that is why our goal must be day by day to draw nearer to him. Amen. So let's remember that, um, you know, our confidence comes from Christ himself. He is the one who promises, who promised us that when we come to him, he's going to draw near to us. That when we ask, we will receive. When we seek, we will find. And when we knock, it will be open unto us hallelujah praise god so um there are also um other principles uh, of prayer that we that we must understand you see when we come to god when we draw near to him he does draw near to us however we must also understand that there are times where he might not manifest amen as we supposed in other words, as we would like him to. But the essential thing that we need to remember is that he will come. Amen. He knows best. He knows how to manifest himself in at that moment, at that situation. Amen. We also need to acknowledge that there may be 
a spiritual battle that is going on. And that is why we have to be persistent. Um, let's, let, let me go ahead and recall uh, an account in the Bible that shows us that God uh, did show up, amen? But it took persistence from this person, amen, this man of God, for him to see the manifestation of God it, through in, in the prayer that he had spent time um, praying before God. Um, let's recall the experience of the prophet Daniel, for example, in Daniel chapter 10. For lack of time, we are not going to look at the whole chapter. However, um, if you remember, um, the, the, the background of this is that uh, Daniel, for three weeks, he had sought the Lord with fasting and mourning. Amen. And after these three weeks, then suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared to him, assuring him that it says to, it says to Daniel that from the first day, in verse 12 of Daniel chapter 10, he says, from the first day that you set your heart, you know, on humbling yourself before God, that your words were heard. Amen. So we see that from the very first time that God, that Daniel spoke, God had heard and God had released the answer. So the, the, the question then is why, you know, what took so long? Well, we learn in the following verse, Daniel 10 and verse 16, that it was the prince of the kingdom of Persia, which sp speaks of a demonic spiritual ruler that stood against the angel that, the, that God had sent to Daniel. So there was spiritual warfare in the heavenly realms. Amen. And I share that so that we can know that because, you know, we may experience what we feel may be a delay does not mean that God hasn't heard that God is not with us. So this is, in a sense, a warning to us that we must strengthen our heart for the likelihood of battle. Amen. There may be delays and resistance, but we must remember that the, the word of God tells us that it is those who overcome who inherit the promises of God. Amen. Notice the word overcome. Overcome means that there is a fight. There is something, there is a battle that we must be willing, amen, to fight. And also know that it's going to take persistence to win that battle. Amen. And then we are promised that the overcomers will inherit the promises of God. So God really did not prom promise any of his children that life will be a bed of roses he has great and precious promises that he has given us however we need to know what to do to appropriate these promises and know that god has called us to be overcomers so that we can take hold of the of, of these promises and see them unfold in our heart in our lives to bring us to that place of peace of joy of fulfillment that God has intended for us. Hallelujah. So, uh, you know, a very important thing that we, we realize when we pray, you see, because God is calling us to pray. And as mentioned the last time, if there ever there was a time that we need to pray, it's now. The world is in chaos right now. Everything 
is, you know, falling apart, but God, hallelujah. If it were not for him, we would not be here. He is the one to, to who sustains us. The word of God says that it is by his grace that we stand, amen. So when we choose to stand his way and do, do things his way, then we will understand his plans and purposes. He will reveal that to us. For example, prayer is one of the best ways that we can, you know, God will speak to us. So we have his word. We have meditation of the word on the word. We have prayer with the word. As we combine these together, God will reveal things to us. Amen. You see, God desires, not only he loves us, but he, des he desires only good things for us. Amen. We all know that passage from Jeremiah uh, 29 and verse 11 that tells us that, you know, God knows the thoughts that he has for us. He says, good thoughts, amen, uh, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give us a future and a hope, amen, hallelujah. And so, uh, you know, God, we, we must put our confidence in him, knowing that everything he has for us is good. And that is why, as we noted in our last study, we talked about the different types of prayer that we ought to use in different situations. Why? Because God himself invites, invites us to bring everything to him in prayer. He is interested in every aspect of our, of our lives, and he wants us, amen, to experience those thoughts of peace that he has for us, that good future that he has for us. So he invites us, for example, in Philippians and the book of Philippians chapter four and verse six, we are told, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Amen. Hallelujah. So you see, God has every intention to answer our request. And that is why he's, in, he's, he's inviting us to pray. God is not a type of, you know, of, of, of God who, who would, um, you know, and tell us to, for example, pray or ask and then, you know, just stand and not do anything about it, uh, you know, or, or just speak it just for the sake of speaking it. No, everything that God says is true. God's word is true and God is faithful. Hallelujah. Um, and so he invites us to pray so that we can make a demand on this, the anointing that he has given us and see the, the result of the prayers come to pass in our life. And before God had even asked us to pray, he had already answered in the, in, in the spirit realm because he is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. Before we came into this world, amen, he knew our end from our beginning. So we must take him at his word when he says, in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving to let our request be made known unto him. We have to understand, to, to, to really believe him. Amen. Know that he loves us. He cares for us. And he wants us to, by, by prayer, to talk to him. Amen. He calls us to pray. He wants us to get results when we pray. And our perspective and the way we think, the way we submit to his lordship, 
the way we we trust, put our trust in him, will bring either success or failure to our life. Amen. God has already done everything that he needs to do so that it can be well with us. His will for us is not failure. The cross speaks about God's love for us and the fact that it the plans that he has for us are already settled in heaven. We have to learn to appropriate them by faith and bring them into this natural realm, amen, through our prayer, through our cooperation with God, through our stand of faith, amen. So, you know, God wishes abundant success for us in all that we do, but it will take our trust and our cooperation with him. And when we will succeed, when we agree with what he, his word says about us, amen. So. Really, the application of faith speaks of receiving God's word and standing upon it. Amen. It speaks of receiving God's word. That's how, that's where, how we apply our faith. Amen. We receive God's word and we stand upon it. And so, you know, how do we do this? Well, you know, the Bible speaks about faith being our confession. Amen. It is our profession. What what we believe, what we profess is what we speak. Faith speaks of action. So we start our faith confession before we see the manifestation of answers to our prayer. Faith demands action. So if we have received, then we must speak. We believe with our heart and we speak with our mouth. So we start with a confession of faith before we see the manifestation of answers to our prayer. Because why? When we have prayed, we believe that we have received. And when we believe, then we hold fast to our faith and we hold fast to our confession by acting as though whatever it is that God has revealed to us in his word by faith, amen, that this is already done. Hallelujah. For example, and in Romans chapter 4 and verse 17, we're told that you know Abraham called those things that be not as though they were. So what was Abraham calling? Uh, you know, things that were not as though they were. Well, it what Abraham did was to demonstrate that by calling himself by that very name Abraham because that name means father of many nations, that he simply believed God. Amen. In the natural, he didn't have any children yet, but he accepted God had changed his name from Abraham to Abraham. And Abraham received and believed that word and, and started calling himself father of many nations. And he started confessing the answer before he saw it in the natural realm. So if we are afraid really to confess, God's word or act according to the word before we have received it, the, the, mani the, the natural manifestation, then it means that we are really in doubt of God's word. It means that truly our faith is not where it should be. You know, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 13 says, we having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believe and therefore have I spoken. And then he says, we also believe and therefore we speak. Amen. So when we believe, amen, with our heart, 
the next natural thing that comes to a human being is to speak what is in his heart. So if you have, we have faith in what God has said, then we will, it will come out of us naturally. We will speak the word. So this implies, you know, that we have to refuse to doubt and to fear. The enemy will always want to try to come and instill fear in us. But the Bible also tells us that we have weapons that God has given us. Um, actually, Second Corinthians chapter 10, uh, verses 3 to 5, tells us what we must do. Because yes, the enemy is going to fight us in that area to cause us to doubt and fear and in therefore to fall short of the God's plans and purposes for our life, which can only be, um, you know, come to pass if we choose to trust God, to walk in faith. So if we are unable to walk in faith, then we are forfeiting this good future that God has for us. So listen to what um, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 to 5 say. It's, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh or after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Amen. So we see, you see, we have what it takes, weapons that are mighty, the Bible tells us, that are not carnal, that enable us to pull down stronghold, to cast down imagination, and every high thing, not just some, everything that the enemy might try to send our way, things that exalt themselves against the word of God, against the knowledge of God, we are able to, you know, cast them out and bring subject everything to the obedience, every thought to the obedience of Christ. Amen. So to really be successful in battle, we must know the word of God because we can, the only way we're going to do warfare, those mighty weapons are found in the word itself. Hallelujah. So whatever our walk of life, uh, our age, our calling, wherever we are, uh, standing on the word is what is required to engage in spiritual warfare and to establish victory. Amen. Um, Jesus in, in, in uh, sending his disciples, amen, uh, to minister, he told them this. He says in uh, Luke chapter 10 and verse 19, he says, Behold, I have given you authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall injure you. Amen. And the disciples went and obeyed this command, this word, the commission that Jesus had, had given them. Hallelujah. And uh, they saw the enemy fall. They saw, you know, you know, great miracles happen. And um, because they had chosen, Jesus told them, I have given you this authority. So they chose to believe Jesus's words. But what we have to understand is that, is that those words that Jesus spoke then to his disciples, uh, they are also spoken to us right now. We are Jesus' disciples. Amen. If truly we believe in him, we have received him in our life as hard, I mean, in our heart, our as our Lord and Savior. 
than we are to live the way he has instructed all his disciples to live. Amen. And um, so he has given us authority as well over all of Satan's power. And uh, we have to believe that that authority is for us to not only be protected because he promised his disciple that nothing shall by any means hurt you. Amen. So nothing shall uh, by any means injure us either. Hallelujah. And at the same time, we have the authority to go forth and to represent him. Amen. So this is twofold. It's not just about us. You know, when we spoke about praying in the beginning there, uh, and I recall last week's uh, study, when I said that God has told us to ask, you know, and we shall receive, but the, we shouldn't be focused on ourselves. Amen. We, we, it's, it's not about self. It's about becoming who God created us to be, which is to impact his kingdom. We are to go forth and represent him as we allow him to work in us and transform us. Amen. He also uses us to be a blessing to others and to advance his kingdom. So we have to believe that we are free, that the enemy has no power over us. That's what his word says. The Bible says that if the son sets us free, we are free indeed. Amen. I believe that's stated in John chapter 8 and verse 36. Amen. If the son therefore shall make you free, you are free indeed. So we have been set free. Amen. And now we should not just rely on how, you know, what our emotions are telling us because we are not to live by sight, amen, or by our emotions or how we feel, but by faith, amen. So we have been set free, not because we feel free, but because we have faith in the word that tells us that we have been made free, amen. And furthermore, we are told in 1 John 3, 8, that the Son of God uh, appeared for this purpose, that he might destroy the work of the devil. Amen. And so each time we, we take position, amen, we stand on our faith. Each time we speak our faith, what we are doing is establishing our freedom as a true reality. Amen. Our, confident, our confidence is that while we are praying, the angels of God, which outnumber the devil by at least two to one, amen, they are united with us against evil. And therefore, with Jesus, we cannot fail. Hallelujah. So we have to have that mindset, be Jesus inside-minded, that no weapon that is formed against us will prosper. That when we walk in obedience and pray according to God's perfect will, that the Bible's promises, uh, for example, given to us in Romans 28, Romans chapter 8 and verse 28 uh, tells us that God causes all things to work together for good of those who love him to those who are called according to his purpose. Amen. And notice that, you know, that, that passage there in Romans 8 and verse 28, before that, it's, it was speaking about prayer, praying according to God's perfect will. Amen. So when we come to God, we have to understand that God loves us. Amen. That he wants everything to uh, work well for us. Amen. Um, and that ultimately he's not going just going to stand by and let bad things happen to us. We have to know that his 
ultimate plan for us is found actually exactly after that, that very next verse, after Romans 8, 28, which is verse 29, um, which is that God has predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son. Amen. In nature, in character, in power and authority so that we can represent him in this world. Hallelujah. First John 4, 17 says, as he is, so are we in this world. So God has a vested interest to see that we prosper, that we be in health, even as our soul prospers, because he wants us, he's called us to represent him here. Amen. In all that we do, in all that we are, he says, you are light in this world. He, called, he calls us, you know, all the salt of the earth. And his plan is that he wants to rule the world through his people, amen, through the church. And we, he has given us authority to ensure this objective. And therefore, he's telling us, arise. And one of the first ways that we arise is in prayer, amen. When the Lord says, go, amen, it doesn't mean that we are to jump immediately. Let's say that we know that we are called to uh, represent him, whether it's been in our community or you know, on a national level, or if we are called, he calls us to go, let's say, uh, overseas on the mission field. This going starts with communion with God. It starts with prayer time. Amen. Uh, so when we arise, it means that inside we have decided to take hold of God's calling for us. Amen. So we are we we stay in His Word. We stay in prayer. Amen. We use his the authority invested in in his name against the works of the enemy that are coming against not only us personally but against you know the work that god wants to do to us because again not only does he wants to conform us in his image but part of his image is to reach out to others that's what jesus did he came and he died his mission was to die on the cross for us amen so we are here to be a blessing to others as well hallelujah so we have to learn how to resist the enemy that's part of our training that's part of our regular warfare that's part of the way we live our christian life amen to submit ourselves to god to resist the devil to see him flee praise god and these things are done not just in uh you know, in the very fact that we are submitting in actions, but also in prayer to learn to take authority against the enemy. Hallelujah. We just spoke about confession. Confession is an essential part of our Christian life. Amen. Uh, we take authority over Satan by, we spoke uh, in our earlier study about prayer, about the different forms of prayer. There is the commending prayer amen there is a prayer of binding and loosing we have to learn how put, to put all of that to work so that we can emerge on the winning side as the righteousness of god hallelujah uh, as not as beggars but as people who know what god has called us to what our inheritance is amen and knowing that first of all we are the righteousness of god amen that uh god has given us amen this righteousness and because of that we can stand boldly before 
his presence to get all the answers that we need. We can stand boldly, amen, and rebuke the enemy and commend him out of our lives, commend him out of the life of others that God has called us to minister to. Hallelujah. You see, God is not a God who enjoys um, his children begging. Amen. Our begging does not motivate him. And that is why he tells us to come boldly to come his th to his throne of grace. Unfortunately, um, many believers make the mistake, uh, you know, of looking at their relationship with God um, and relating to him as slaves rather you know, as a slave would relate to, to, to his owner rather than a father to a child. Amen. And, you know, we have to understand that a slave uh, usually begs and accepts whatever crumbs that fall off of the master's table, whereas a child uh, knows that he has every right to live well, just like his father. Amen. So that is why when we understand God's plans and purposes when we allow him to reveal to us what he's what he's called us to amen we are bold we don't have to beg him and you know we are stirred to take hold of this position the precious position this privileged position that is given us as a child as one who also represent him with his authority to advance his kingdom here amen and it all starts with our, first of all, relationship, becoming a son of God, then, then working on our fellowship with him, which takes place as we get to know his word, as we renew our mind through the word of God, and as we meditate on the word, and as we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. There is a call to prayer like never before. And we will be surprised the things that God has called us to amen, to accomplish, to work together with him in the advancement of his kingdom, amen. You know, God cannot and does not find pleasure in faithless prayer. Um, you know, over and over in, in the Bible, we are told that the just uh, shall live by faith, that uh, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Uh, Hebrews eleven six tells us that that without faith it's impossible to please him for he the person who comes to God must believe that God is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him amen and then also you know that assurance that God has pleasure in our prosperity actually Psalm 37 35 and verse 37 no sorry Psalm 35 verse 27 tells us that God has pleasure in the prosperity of his people amen so we, we have to understand God's nature, his character, his love for us, amen, his power, his might, his faithfulness. God, you know, delights in our prosperity. God delights in our faith, amen. So without faith, it's impossible to please him. And so when we come into his presence, we must come with confidence, knowing that we are his children and we have every right to the best in life. And thankful for the fact that God wants to use us, amen, to work with him to advance his kingdom, to touch lives, amen, to bring restoration, to bring deliverance, to bring salvation to others. And as the, the righteousness of God, we deserve all that God has to offer, 
Amen. We have a divine inheritance of good things, of good health. We have uh, promised to us a life of prosperity, of abundance. Jesus says, I, am, I have come that they might have life and have it in abundance. Amen. Hallelujah. So um, God is inviting us, knowing all of this, that we ought to call to him. Amen. We have to, you know, as his sons and daughters, amen, that we ought to come to him. As, you know, in um, Romans chapter 8, 17, says that we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Amen. But it also says that if so be that we suffer with him, that we will also be glorified with him. So there is a level of suffering that we will go, you know, we will go through in this in this earth. However, God says the end of it is that we will be glorified together with him. So he's inviting us, amen, to know who we are in him, to know that we are the righteousness, his righteousness, that the righteousness of God that we have become entitles us to this position and that it's a privilege for us to come to him in prayer, to even cry out to him in prayer. You know, the, the, in Psalm 34, verse 15, uh, we are told that God hears the cry of the righteous. Amen. Let me go ahead and turn to that passage. Uh, Psalm, chap Psalm 34, amen. Verses, um, actually there are two verses here, verse 15 and verse 17. Verse 15 reads, uh, and again, I'm using the amplified version. Amen. He says, the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, those with moral courage and spiritual integrity, and his ears are open to their cry. Amen. Uh, now let's look at verse 17. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and rescues them from all their distress and troubles. Amen. So you see, God wants us to come to him, to cry out to him, amen? This cry is not speaking about begging, amen? It is standing on, by faith, on what his word says about us, amen? And that is why we are not to take our inheritance lightly. And that is why we must be righteousness-minded, knowing that, we are freed from sin and we are called to live in the in a newness of life hallelujah and so um our position and walk must therefore be righteous as jesus who himself the bible says loved righteousness and hated iniquity praise god so we ought to as he is you know we said that earlier as he is so are we in this world. Amen. So we have to put on the mind of Christ. The Bible actually says that we have the mind of Christ. The, 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 the problem is that uh, much of the church has not allowed, you know, the, the, the word of God to be downloaded in the, in the spirit so that we can see things from God's perspective. Amen and live out this victorious life to which we are called, this newness of life to which we are called. Amen. You know, um, going back to Psalm 34 that we, were, we just read there, uh, 
the word cry, as I said, is not referring to begging. It's not referring to tears. Amen. Uh, it's speaking about calling out for help, knowing that God is there. God says he's going to be there with us. And that by using the authority that we have, which is in the name of Jesus, that his presence is going to be right there with us and causing the enemy to flee. And so as the righteousness of God, when we call out to him in faith, <clears throat> we know that he hears us and he delivers us because he is always attentive to our voice and he responds to us when we call out to him. So we see this whole package here of the love of God uh, poured out for us on the authority that he's given us, on his word that he's told us, that we are to, 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 to study, to show ourselves approved unto him. Hallelujah. To have that word alive in our spirit, to allow the Holy Spirit, who's the spirit of the word, to quicken us from the inside so that we can go forth and live an effective warfare. Hallelujah. And experience his power, the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit alive in our life. You know, the apostle Paul, when he was went ministering, he says that, you know, all his his, his preach, preaching was not in in the en, en, enticing with enticing words of men's wisdom, but with the demonstration of the Holy Spirit and power. Amen. So when we allow the Holy Spirit to download the word inside of us and we follow his prompting, then there is a demonstration of the spirit and of power. Amen. But let's note also that the same apostle Paul is the one who talked about how much he prayed in, you know, how many, how many watchings he spoke about the watchings, the hours that he spent, you know, praying, pouring our heart, his heart before the Lord and interceding on behalf of others. And he actually, at one point, he says, I pray with tongues more than you all. Amen. So we can see that the apostle Paul wasn't just given revelation, but spent his, his time, amen, uh, allowing the Holy Spirit to reveal that word to him and demonstrating the power of that word through him. Hallelujah. And this is what we're talking about here. Amen. And this really should propel us to embrace the whole counsel of God. Amen. In other words, to understand that everything that God has given us, this inheritance that he's given us, um, which first of all speaks of our righteousness, amen, uh, speaks of walking in holiness. It's, it gives us promises of divine healing, amen, uh, of peace, of prosperity, that we have to receive it all. We cannot pick and choose what we want, amen. You know the word um, gospel, if we believe the gospel, amen, uh, we have to know that it, th this word is equivalent to the word, the Hebrew word shalom, which signifies in English peace. And actually, it speaks of wholeness. In other words, that there is nothing that is missing, that is nothing that is broken, that is nothing that is out of place or out of, our, out of order. That is what the word gospel means. Amen. And Jesus, the Bible says, is our peace. He is our shalom. He is our wholeness. And if we hold any view that is different than this view that the Bible gives us, amen, then 
our view is an unrighteous one. Amen. We have to make sure that as we have been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, that we are living the full meaning of that word, not just in accepting the fact that we are now washed by the blood and therefore we are now a child of God and going to heaven, but also all the benefits that accompany salvation, that they are also ours. Amen. So our righteousness is very important. It's a very important reality, which we should understand and take hold of, especially if we are going to pray effectively. Amen. It is God's stamps of approval and the key to receiving our inheritance. And unless we are convinced that we are the righteousness of God, we will never develop the assurance that we can have uh, our prayers answered. Amen. So again, it is the faith-filled cry of the righteous that triggers, uh, or should I say that causes our heavenly father, amen, to move on our behalf. Praise God. Hallelujah. In um in Second Corinth, no, I'm sorry, Second Chronicle, I believe chapter 16 and verse 9, there is a verse. Actually, let me go ahead and turn to that passage. Um, Second Chronicles chapter 16, and let me look at verse 9. The first part here says of that verse, it says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Amen. When when we look at things from God's perspective, amen, God has declared us the righteousness, amen, of God in, I mean, in Christ Jesus, we've become the righteousness of God. Hallelujah. When we choose to adopt his ways, his word, his thinking, amen, then we have a heart that is perfect toward him. We believe him and we apply the word to our life. Hallelujah. Uh, notice that in our uh, last lesson, we talked about praying, um, all sorts of prayer with supplication. Amen. Um, we said that uh, God is calling us to stand with that righteous mindset. Amen. Uh, and allow the spirit of God to pray in us and through us. Hallelujah. And the, the Apostle Paul here uh, in Ephesians 6, 18, spoke about praying again, always. Notice that praying always. And then he says, with all prayer. Amen. So it means that we must be praying in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer. Amen knowing that we have God's backing because we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. And secondly, because we are allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us, then we are praying in line with the Holy Spirit's wishes. Amen. And this creates a confidence in us that we are praying according to the will of God. And because we are doing that, that he hears us. And the Bible tells us that we know that when he, hear, he hears us, that he will grant our request because we are praying exactly according to his will. Amen. Then Jesus says, say that when you ask the Father, the Father will answer you, will give you what you need so that your joy can be full. Amen. 
So we receive answers to our prayers because God wants our joy to be full. And in the process, we are fulfilling, amen, the calling, the mandate that he has for us. Hallelujah. Because our prayers will not be mostly about ourselves, but it will be about the plans and purposes of God to be established here on this earth. Hallelujah. So praying um, according to the word of God really is what gets God's attention because he only responds to the language of his word. It's our guarantee to getting results. So we can count on it. In Isaiah 43, 26, he says, put me in remembrance. Let us plead together. Amen. He says, declare thou that thou mayest be justified. Amen. God himself says to put him in remembrance. He says, let us plead together. Amen. And then um, we see in the New Testament, the book of James, chapter 5, uh, verse 16, the second part of that verse says that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Amen. So all these verses here, these references that we're looking at is to build up our faith that, you know, God not only, you know, has saved us, but he has brought us here for a purpose. He's called, brought us to bring forth fruit. Amen. And it all starts with receiving his word, believing his word, and acting on his word in faith. And prayer is first in line, amen, when we're walking in faith. Uh, notice that uh, I mentioned about God wanting us to bear forth fruit. Jesus actually says that in John chapter 15, amen. Um, let me go ahead and read that passage. It's John 15 and verse 16. Jesus says, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. That whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he may give it you. Amen. Notice we are to bring forth fruit and that not only that, our fruit shall remain. And then he adds, he says, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. So if our focus is to bring forth much fruit, then we will, our asking will be based, founded on the fruit that we want to bear for him. And because our asking is in line with his perfect will, hallelujah, then God is quick to answer our prayer. And we are told in that verse also that it's not even... It wasn't even about us wanting to do that in the first place, that it was, it was God who had chosen us and ordained us to bear much fruit. Amen. So when we pray, our faith-based confession bring into existence those wonderful things that God has promised. Amen. And the evidence of these wonderful things will manifest. Praise God. You know, in Jeremiah chapter 33 and verse 3, I'm sure we, most of us know that verse where, you know, we are told, you know, says, the Lord says, call unto me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things, um, you know, that you have not known, that you do not know. Amen. The, let, me, let me read it from the Amplified Version. I like the way it reads. Um, Jeremiah 33, 3. It says, call 
to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things, fenced in and hidden, which you do not know, do not distinguish and recognize, have knowledge of and understand. Amen. So notice how it seems that without the revelation of the Holy Spirit that, you know, of that we are clueless, but yet those things that we don't know, God reveals to us by his spirit. He doesn't just reveal to us because, you know, we just, we call ourselves Christians. No, we have to seek him. We spoke earlier about seeking him, amen, asking, amen, knocking. All this is part of the prayer life that we are to lead here, uh, amen, which is to benefit not just us, but primarily to benefit others. Hallelujah. Um, you know, if we desire good for God to do great things, mighty things in our life, in our family, in our health, in our finances, and all other areas of life, we need to get down to the business of calling on him in faith. Amen. Hallelujah. Um, earlier, I kind of, I think, believe, paraphrased that verse, which is taken from First uh, John chapter four, 5. Uh, verses 14 and 15 that says that you know that it is the confidence this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will he hears us and if we know that he hears us whatsoever we ask we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him amen hallelujah so um notice that you know in that in that verse there that there are two factors it's speaking about confidence in God, and it's, speak, it's talking about asking according to God's will. Amen. Um, but notice also that earlier I had mentioned that there is a level of determination that we must have. So as much as these two factors are important, but um, you know, our determination and perseverance to stand our ground in faith, or faith of God's unfailing word, is what going to decide whether or not we are going to experience these answers to prayer. Amen. You see, prayer does work, but we are to, number one, allow the revealed word to abide in us. Notice I said revealed. In other words, there must be revelation, time spent with God where he downloads his word in us. Amen. We identify with the word. We can see what is in that word that God has for us. So it's abiding in us. And when that happens, then we, are, we build confidence in the word. We build confidence in the Lord and in the power of his might. And then we are able now to pray faith-based prayers founded on the abiding word, on the re, that is the revealed word, amen, which is actually a fulfillment of John chapter 15 and verse 7, which says, it's again Jesus speaking, and he says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Amen. Hallelujah. So truly, prayer is like breathing. Amen. Breathing in air, breathing in and breathing out. We cannot live without prayer. And God has given us so much instruction in his word on how to practice this activity. Amen. Uh, and we have seen so much of it already. And I would like to close this study by speaking a little bit about um, praying according to 
God's will. Amen. And what that means when we actually use the word of God that the Bible calls the sword of the spirit. Amen. We already said that God only responds to his word. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, but we are seeing the ways in which God uses that in prayer. Uh, for example, in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 17, the, the apostle Paul says that we are to take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Amen. Um, this term here, the word of God, is taken from the Greek word rhema. And um, in according to the, the Greek lexicon, the word rhema describes something that is spoken clearly, it's spoken vividly, it's spoken in an undeniable, unmistakable language, it's spoken in a indefinite, in certain indefinite terms. Amen. That's what the word rhema, uh, you know, that's what it means. That is the meaning of the word rhema, according to the Greek lexicon. And uh, the word, as we see this word, uh, the used in the New Testament, the word rhema carries with it the idea of a word that has been quickened to us, such as a word of scripture or a word from the Lord that the Holy Spirit supernaturally drops into a believer's spirit, into the believer's mind, causing uh, it to supernaturally come alive so that it can impact special power. It can impact the direction to that, to that believer. Amen. That's what we talk, we refer to rhema. And so therefore, a rhema is a powerful word that we receive from the Lord. Amen. And when uh, someone, a believer, receives such a word from the Holy Spirit, that person knows definitely that they have heard from the Lord. Amen. And that is why Jesus, for example, this the quickening work that the Holy Spirit does to teach us the word, Jesus referred to it in John chapter 14 and verse 26. He says, um, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Amen. Notice that Jesus says that the Holy Spirit, amen, whom he, he's the Father is going to send. He says, he's going to teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. So the word of God, when it's quickened in our spirit so that we can understand it, connect with it, relate to it, amen, this is what Jesus was saying that the Holy Spirit will do. He will teach you, amen. He will remind you. He will quicken the word inside of you. And I'm saying all that so that we can understand how we are to use the word of God in prayer, amen? And it is in that place that um, in speaking the word, in praying the word, that the word becomes alive. When we allow the Holy Spirit to reveal the word to us, amen? Um, we have allowed, when we do that, when we are able to take that word, it's because we have allowed the Holy Spirit to make a word come alive, this word come alive in our heart. Amen. Which God has given us for a particular purpose. Amen. And we have received a rhema. It, it, is, a, it is supernaturally empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so we are now able to take the word of God and speak it out. Amen. And when we do that, 
the Bible says that it has become the sword of the spirit that we wield in prayer, that we wield in battle. Amen. And we notice also that in Hebrews chapter chapter 4, verses 12 and 13, speak also about the sword of the spirit. Amen. Uh, it says that the word of God is a two-edged sword. Amen. The word has the power, he says, to, um, actually, let me go ahead and read it. And I'm, yes, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. He says, the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. You see, here again, we have the idea that the word of God is a powerful uh, weapon that God gives us. Amen. That it can be used to as a brutal weapon against the enemy. It is used by uh, the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 6, as we just read, but now he's using it in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. But what I want you to notice is that he says, the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Amen. So the word two-edged there is the Greek word distomos, two-edged, distomos. And then the word sword is the word makaira, M-A-C-H-A-I-R-A, which is exactly the same language that Paul uses in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 17 to describe the sword of the Spirit. Amen. So the two-edged sword, amen, the word here that is sharper than a two-edged sword is the sword of the Spirit. Amen. And I believe that the 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 Apostle Paul here, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wants us to understand that this sword of the Spirit, two-edged, speaks about being two, in other words, two-edged or two-mouthed sword. Why? Because the word must be spoken. Amen. When God first speaks, when he inspired the writers to write the word of God, to record it, it came out from his mouth. It was like a one-edged sword. However, now that we take the word of God, amen, and we allow that word to be established in our heart and even in our mind, and then we take that word and put it in our own mouth, we do it willfully, amen. We um, meditate on it. We study it. We give it place in our life as top priority. We allow the Holy Spirit to have his way. Amen. That process gives the word a second edge. So first God has spoken it. It has one edge. Now by taking it and allowing it to do its work in our life, we give it a second edge. And that step gets us ready for the next time that we are going to be confronted by any kind of challenge. Amen. From the demonic realm. And because we are so full of the word, the Holy Spirit reaches down inside of us, amen, what we have stored in the inside of us and pulls out the scripture that is, uh, on, well, the best, amen, relevant uh, scripture for what needs to be accomplished, amen. And when that word comes out of our mouth, amen, it becomes a two-edged sword. And that word contains the very life and glory of God. Hallelujah. Because it is God's word that has been formed in our heart, 
first coming from the mouth of God, now put into our heart and now spoken out of our mouth. It has become the two-edged sword that the Bible refers to. And the glory of God to heal every sickness is in the two-edged sword. That is why it is able to pierce asunder spirit and soul, bone and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and of the intents of the heart. Hallelujah. And God wants us to have the wisdom to put the two-edged sword to work. Amen. We put it to work by, you know, we've been given the privilege and divine command to use that two-mouth sword, to use faith-filled word, amen, in prayer. And when we do that, we must know that we are really seeing the creative power and the glory of God that is resident within us. And when we do that, we transfer the life of Jesus here that is in heaven, resident in our heart. We release it here on the earth. Hallelujah. And it is in that place that we have the confidence that our prayer will be answered, that indeed prayer works to the glory of God and for our own rejoicing. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I believe that God wants to charge us, amen, with the understanding of what it is to pray and what he's calling us to. And then again, there is no time like right now to start applying God's word to our life through calling, through the cry of the righteous, through calling on him, to standing, knowing that we are the righteousness of God and we are taking our position as his house of prayer because he has great things that he wants to accomplish through his people. He has chosen his church, amen, to work with him. He could have done it without us, but he has chosen us and we must rise up to that occasion, amen, and fulfill this mandate that God has given us to his glory and for our rejoicing. Hallelujah. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for calling your church to pray, O Lord. And even through studies like this, for stirring our hearts to submit to you, to the Lordship of your word, to the Lordship of your Holy Spirit, so that we can bear the much fruit to which you have ordained us in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for the grace to press forward to a higher level of communion with you that will bring your divine presence in every area of our lives. And Lord, we thank you that as we occupy our position as the house of prayer you've called us to be, Lord, we thank you that your influence, that your direction, that your intervention will increase in all aspects of our individual lives, in our communities, in our nation, and even in the nations of the world. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for counting us worthy of this calling and for enabling us to fulfill your purposes through the grace, through the faith and authority that we have in Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Father, receive all the glory, all honor and all praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Hallelujah. Now unto him that is able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, 
Oh, I pray that this study has been a blessing to you. Um, I invite you to join us again next week at the same time that we will continue to expound on God's word together. God bless you and have a good night.